There's a short window of a season, and that season is right now. The Carolina Outdoors, we're going to celebrate that season. You may think, what is it? There are a lot of people at the Charlotte Airport and people flying all over the world uh, to a place for a specific species of fish. Welcome, everyone, to the Carolina Outdoors. This is your host, Bill Barty. Uh, coming over from the rocket ship that powers the Carolina Outdoors, Jesse Brown's Outdoors. And through Jesse Brown's Outdoors, we've made plenty of friends. We've talked about that on other episodes. But the Carolina Outdoors is able to reach into that friendship and get great reports on different places that Carolinians are traveling to. This week is no different. The season and the species of fish that we're talking about is the tarpon. And you'll see gentlemen and gentlewomen going through the airport in pursuit of this. But it's a fairly short season, and there are few places, there are few places any better than Florida for this, whether it be the Gulf Coast side or the Keys. We're going to learn about that as we bring in our guest, our friend, Captain Dave Chenard, to the program. Dave, welcome. Oh, it is such a pleasure, Bill, to be back with you. I do look forward to this each and every year, my friend. Well, you've got such a fantastic fly fishing resume from New Jersey to Florida to spending time in East Tennessee, North Georgia, the Carolinas. Dave, you've been a lot of places, but I have never seen you look so comfortable as in the front end of a skiff casting to tarpon in the gulf of mexico and this is a season that is very special right now i'm going to find out how what the length of this season is but it during the month of june we're going to talk to you about the florida keys we're going to talk to you about tampa clearwater area we're going to talk to you about uh homosassa or uh, boca grand all of these places where tarpon are but they especially are right now so with with that being said, and I don't want to hurt your feelings either because, Dave, you look good there on the polling platform too. <laughs> but with that being said, talk to us about the skiffs because these flats are there. These flats that we could walk, we can boat, they are there. But these fish, these animals are best fished for from a skiff. Talk to us about that type of boat and why it is such a useful tool in pursuit of hunting these silver kings well they are very very specially designed skiffs bill over the years we've learned that these fish are very sensitive to sound uh pressure wakes you know you don't realize it but when you're in a boat and it's going and it makes all those watery sounds bobbing up and down and all well those sounds echo and they echo as far as you could imagine you won't believe how some of these fish can hear the signature of a boat through its lateral lines and whatnot and it can it knows that you're there hundreds of yards before it even gets there so it puts its alarm on so over the years we've had companies like chittam and others that have put millions of dollars into patents and research no different than like stealth fighters to hide their signature from radars. Well, we've learned to do this below the surface of the water with boats. 
boats that 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 are very shallow. They float in almost no water, and they have very little drag so that we can push them along. So me as a 26-year captain, I find myself on the back of a boat pushing with a push pole, one of these 20 to 24-foot long pieces of carbon fiber, and you're literally like a big pole vault stick, right? And you're pushing the boat along silently, and these boats have no chimes that break the water, so they make no sound. So you can literally see the fish in its environment. And I'll tell you, it's really neat when you can just be a bystander and watch a fish eating or swimming or doing what it's doing courting and and spawning times of the year and to have the fish not know you're there. So that type of boat that's very quiet and very shallow that doesn't weigh a lot, well, it's very important to this uh, time of the year because, well, the silver king is exactly that. It is the king of all fish. And, uh, you know, Bill, you mentioned something about time of the year. I chuckle. Do you know what really this time of the year is? No. This time of the year of May and June during the Silver King time of Tarpon is the time of the year where we probably see the highest job losses, the (laughs) highest marriage struggles, the most counselors at all the counselors all through Florida, the golf courses crash where the golf rounds are way down. Why is all this where jobs are lost, marriages? are lost kids don't know who their dads are it's because it's tarpon season okay and when that comes it's addictive how do you sit at work and sit at your your office and not think about how do i get out early how do i get to the water because you literally have hundreds if not thousands of these 20 30 40 year old fish that are 100 pounds or more and these fish well they like swimming on the surface right so they're not like big fish that you can't see Look, fishing's fishing. We all love fishing. But hunting, it's a different story, right? So when you're actually visually looking for these fish, and when these big fish like to swim within a foot or two of the surface, and they don't like deep water, well, it makes it this game where you're literally like big game hunting. And these fish are so sensitive to sound and to trolling motors and all this that over the years, you know, they're prehistoric. They literally predate a lot of other types of species. Well, they've gotten smart over the years. So it becomes this game. And as the most intelligent species on planet Earth, us human beings, we love to practice something. We love to get good at something. So to actually be with a partner, your guide, where he can tell you in advance, look, right around this sandbar, I can see him coming. In another 30 seconds, these fish are going to turn and they're going to come by us. And I want you to catch your breath and then go ahead and lay that cast right in front of them. So it's very visual. Your heart rate goes way up. And it's the most addictive thing. I I truly don't know if if an adult can have his heart pound harder than when you're looking at tarpon and you're making that cast. So, yeah, it is a very special time of the year indeed. Well, we have to talk about that. And this is the poetry of Captain Dave Chouinard, if you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors. And there's no better poet when it comes to talking about pursuing these tarpon, of painting this picture so that we can get out there. And Dave, you just mentioned it. There are fossils of tarpon that go back 113 million years. So it is an ancient, ancient fish. Talk to us about what the fish are doing, about their mating process, because that's that's a big part of this, uh, the daisy chaining and how 
we anglers are interacting with this process. And, and thank That's you for right. starting it off with the skiff because that is a bit of our camo where we're seeing this process. But that's also when we lay out that line to the front of their face so that they'll eat it. And then we're going yeah, to talk right. about the fish fight. But what's going on with the tarpon? Uh, well, let's go wise? way back to when they were born, right? These tarpon are very unique in the sense that they have an air bladder. That's uh-huh. in addition to gills, okay? So this fish can supplement its oxygen by literally breaking the surface and taking a big gulp of air and swallowing it, and that'll supplement. Now, that starts at a young age because these tarpon, when they're babies, and they grow slow, well, they go grow up more in the backcountry, all these back lagoons, they have an incredible tolerance for fresh water as well. So these tarpon will go into creeks and back lagoons where they can hide in the bush and all the mangroves. And a lot of times those back areas don't have a lot of oxygen. So whether it's in Cuba, Mexico, anywhere down south, or even in Florida and Everglades, these babies will grow and grow and grow, hiding from all their predators. And then those air bladders help them when they get to an age where they start to migrate. And that's because, well, Mother Nature's drive to procreate and make sure future generations can continue. Well, that drives them out of that bush and they start migrating. They get into schools and they will migrate thousands of miles. Literally, these fish will come across from Mexico and everywhere and they go to the north. And that's just what they do. So this process will start through the Keys. And the Keys, as we all know, is one of the prettiest pieces of water and topography that we'll find in all of the world. Well, that water is so gin clear, and the sand is, and well, over the years, the Keys has gotten more pressured. Um, You know, before GPSs, we had to learn this by heart. We had to learn it with charts. It really separated the men from the boys. (laughs) Now, with this unfortunate (laughs) social media, if you will, with everybody bragging about what they catch and where they caught it and all these GPSs, it seems like the secret is out and so the point is there's a lot more pressure so these fish will get pounded in very clean water that they can see the boats hear the boats see everything's being thrown at them and yes the keys is known at times to be maybe a little more difficult to catch the fish but still very very successful now the keys sometimes can be a little windy too being it's in the straits and all but you can, if you pick it right you can have magic now those fish will split florida and we'll either go up the East Coast or West Coast, but the biggest runs do tend to go through Florida Bay and the Everglades. There's just so much bait. They also don't like things being too rough. They like things to be pretty predictable. And so the Gulf of Mexico is like a big lake, if you will. And so these fish through the early months of February, um, they'll start to set up in Florida Bay. They'll sunbathe. Literally, you'll see these 100-pound fish elevate up to the point where their black backs in the winter or early spring will just be inches off the surface and many times stick out of the surface like a log. You just won't believe it when you see it. And that is a tough time of the year to cast at times because you have to make it perfect. And their temperatures are a little down. Now, we watch water temperatures very closely because to a fish, that's everything. And once those temperatures get to the right temperature, they get more and more active. And then they start continuing to move north. And that's when this migration comes up the west coast of Florida and when uh, people set up all along the coast. And, yes, Florida has some of the biggest estuaries and inlets that you'll find anywhere. And those estuaries and inlets are staging grounds for the big spawn. 
Now, these spawns will happen based on the moon, and so we watch these new moons and full moons very closely because we know these fish will congregate, and word has it you will have thousands, if not tens of thousands, of these monster adult tarpon after they court in these bays and in these inlets like Boca Grande. They'll all go offshore for a night or two, and they'll have the biggest party in the world, and you know what they're doing during that party, okay? And and. All of a sudden, all these fish disappear. And what happened? Oh, I had a thousand fish yesterday. Where did they go? Well, they're going to go make sure that there's more silver kings for another million years, right? They'll come back. And when they come back, many times they'll have their feed bag on, and they can't wait to get back to eating again because they're burning a lot of energy swimming possibly 50, 100 miles a day. They could actually do this, and they'll keep doing that right up the coast, right through Homosassa, which is also a very well-known area. So when you're talking Boca Grande or you're talking Tampa Bay or you're talking Homosassa, this continues up the coast, and each of these little fisheries they're a little unique, the, 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 the topography, the sand, the mangroves, and all this. And uh, so it's, a, it's just a wild fishery. It really is. Uh, 27 years, Captain. Captain Dave, you've spent time in New Jersey. You spent time in the fly fish, fly shop business, the fly yeah. representative business. You still do lessons and help encourage other people to get out there with a fly rod. I want to talk to you about um, not just the tarpon, but the people, because some of these fisheries have matured uh, with crowds, with people, and with the type of fishing that they're doing. So let me ask you, and we'll get to the quality as well, but um, Homosass and the Keys, of course, those places have been such uh, famed uh, tarpon places. Tell us about Boca Grande. It's very well yeah. known. But I don't yes. know if people are taking their fly rods there. What's the difference between a place like Homosassa or Clearwater, Tampa area, uh, to Boca Grande? Well, thank God, uh, awareness and technology and knowing uh, about biology and all this has come to roost because Boca Grande has a massive flushing of a river and a bay all out in a big, deep channel and a lot of current. And for the history of tarpon that we know, it's been one of the biggest congregations of adult tarpon where they do their courting and all set up before they go offshore. Well, we had this PTTS, I think it was called for years, one of the professional tarpon tournament series. Mm. And we made a TV show out of this where we would show hundreds of boats all gun over gunnel, everybody with lines over, and they're all doing this right with um, in this deep channel with a lot of current with all these adult tarpon. I want you to think about that. We didn't know as a world or as a society what we were doing. Right. Could you imagine, as an example, one of the biggest congregations of bald eagles in the world, okay, all in one spot, and what we're going to do is we're all going to try to catch these bald eagles in the beak or something, and we're all going to try to let them go while they're trying to mate. God, it was one of the most horrific things to a lot of us that we saw. Yes. Like, we go and we protect the spawning grounds, these sacred mating areas, because we can, as human beings, go put our thumbprint that we're going to be the reason that this species suffers later. So word got out. We got smart. We eliminated that tournament. And since then, yes, people still drift that uh, that 
channel, if you will, and they can use bait and crabs and all sorts of other things. But I will tell you, it's evolved to where people are knowing Boca Grande less just about this channel and it's and what it used to be with thousands of boats and maybe millions of tarpon that come through there. I kid you not. Now we're knowing Boca Ground about, well, what about all the beaches around it? What about the estuary, the back bays? What about the places that these tarpon do take a break and sunbathe? And so we're starting to see people fishing Boca Grand a little more like you would fish Tampa Bay and other areas. And that is Get out there and learn the water. Just don't follow it. Look, y'all, listening on this radio, if you see somebody sitting in a boat fishing in a spot, it doesn't mean you should pull your boat up within 50 feet or 100 feet of him and try to copy it. Maybe you can watch from a distance with binoculars, learn a little bit. But it is about fishing. It's about exploring. It's about putting time on the water. And you will find there's so much to be learned when you're just observant and you go poke around. That's why a lot of these kayakers catch so much fish. Because they're in the water and they're paddling and they're just observing. So we're starting to watch Boca Grande evolve to more than just what it was once before. I'm going to go back to the way we started as well because no one does this better but uh, than Captain Dave Chenard, our guest here on the Carolina Outdoors. But Dave, once that fly line is placed in front or that fly is placed and their cockroach patterns, the different patterns that these fish will eat. Um, it is like hooking the inside of a of a steel bucket, essentially, the, the tarpon's mouth. It's a big bucket mouth. You have to set the hook. Tell us what these 100-plus-pound fish do acrobatically once that hook <laughs> is set. Um, what kind of rocket ship dance do they do? It's one of a kind, Bill. Now, let's tell the radio audience here that when you say cockroach, we don't mean a cockroach that is like in your house, a palmetto bug or anything, right? right? I can right. just imagine everybody out in radio world thinking this, but everybody, that's a historic pattern that has uh, black and white striped feathers and some uh, hair on it and all, and it just, for some reason, uh, they eat it pretty good, and, and we invent a lot of other things uh, uh, here. But uh, in any regard here, this is quite... The the game where we as fly fish, the best way, believe it or not, to catch these fish is with a fly rod. And the longer time goes on, the more that's becoming obvious. And that's because these fish want to make sure they're protected and they procreate. So they're very sharp, okay? So when you just plop a big bait and a big cork or something in front of them, they're going to hear that plop. They're going to see it's not natural. So a fly rod, nothing is better than that tool for the fish not to hear any splat because our fly has no weight and the fly line can lay very light on the water so we don't need a lead weight to cast this lure if you will this lure with all these natural materials swims naturally it looks natural and we're going to be like indiana jones if you will where he has his long leather whip well instead our leather whip it's going to be this tapered fly line that has a taper like a whip if you will and we're going to be able to act accurately cast.
past that leather whip, if you will, maybe upwards to 60, 80, 100 feet if you needed to, and you can put it within a hula hoop. So now all of a sudden, you can predict and hunt to where I know this fish is moving. I can see where this fish is going. Let me lead this fish in advance with a very lightly landing fly, and then I'm going to give life to that fly by stripping it with my hands. And it's like hand lining, y'all. Okay, literally, when you hook this fish, okay, you have your hands on that string. It's not tight to the reel. So this is a very different sport when you're talking about hooking a lion, if you will, with a string or a rope, and you got that lion attached to this rope to your hands. And then we teach you in a sport with how then to get it on the reel is what we say. So when that fish, when you set that hook, and yes, its jaw is very bony. It's got some skin over that bone. And all of you in radio world, the beautiful thing is, can you believe this big fish has no teeth? It's just a dream. Ah. That you have this big. It's like God sat there and said, I'm going to make you all the most perfect fish. It's going to swim high. It's going to be beautiful and silver. It's going to have big, beautiful eyes. And it's going to like to eat little M&Ms. It's going to like to eat flies that are no bigger than a woolly bugger. So y'all casting a woolly bugger to trout, how about you cast a woolly bugger to a 100-pound fish? That's what we do. And so when this fish eats that, sometimes, believe it or not, Bill, the biggest error people make is since it's so visual, you can see this big fish eat the fly. Well, it's almost taboo because what you do is you end up yanking the fly out of the fish's mouth because you can see that fish close its mouth and everything happens so slowly and you don't give the fish time to close its mouth and to turn and many times that hook will set itself believe it or not instead people go and the minute they see it they yank that rod uh-huh. as if they're jimmy houston a bass fishing if they will <laughs> and look everybody your rod tip is very soft you're not going to set the hook in a bony mouth by yanking the rod up to the sky so sometimes the fish Hooking themselves with you not paying attention is the best way to do it. But to your point, Bill, what you do really with tarpon fishing is you strip to get the line tight. And when that line tightens, usually the fish turns. And the combination of a fish turning and you holding it tight will end up burying that hook and that soft meat on top of the bone. And then, like you said, well, the Silver King gets its reputation because it's going to skyrocket. The dance is on. Captain Dave Chenard, we got to do it again. We love getting you on all 27 years of your knowledge right here in front of us on the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you for sharing the information and helping people appreciate what we have in regards to that fish, the tarpon.